0: Bop. Bop up. Such a cool song, eh?
1: I was just thinking, we're quite lucky we're not live-streaming this because they would see how bad white man dance music is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we're terrible. But uh, yeah, it's still a cool tune. Uh, hopefully we better when it comes to podcasting. It's another episode of Hockey 24-7. you with me, Derek Alberts, very much the, the side chick when it comes to this event. The, the main man in charge, of course, is Tyron Jabu Barnard. Tyron, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm great. Uh, I don't know, Kath, if you're listening, um, Derek was just using that metaphorically. There is no side chick. Uh, you know, you just have to clear the air on, on okay. international right here.
0: Fair enough. Uh, okay, so we've uh, had a lot of fun over the last couple of weeks. We've been having uh, numerous guests from players to umpires to strikers to coaches, the works, to fans. And uh, here's an all-encompassing person that uh, we've got on the show today. Who is it, Tyrone?
1: Yeah, I was fortunate a few years back, uh, I wrote a, an article that was... Uh, rather scathing. And um, one thing it led to, it it led to a lot of engagement. But one of the people that I ended up talking to over the article was none other than Jack Tonneson. Um, And Jack and I got chatting. And and although we share a a mutual uh, professional career away from hockey, we also shared a, a common passion for the game. And, you know, I could think of no other person to bring on to chat and really just share some of his uh, love for the game than Jack. So, uh, Jack, welcome to Hockey 24-7.
0: Before he gets into it, uh, just his surname as well.
1: <laughs> uh, Jack, and and Jack, I, I always apologize if I pronounce it wrong, Tonneson. Tonison.
0: Jack Tonneson, welcome <laughs> to the show. How's it going? Thanks, Derek.
2: Thanks, John. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I don't really use your surname all that much. We're on a first name basis. So um, that was <laughs> Derek true. Albert, in case uh, <laughs> you were checking. Uh, Jack, yeah, welcome to the show. I think um, it, it goes without saying you and I uh, have probably spent a fair amount of uh, cell phone talk time having chats about hockey, having <laughs> chats specifically about South African hockey, uh, looking at the future. And, you know, I thought, what a great way. To allow other people into one of these chats um and let's let's open ourselves up a little bit so i think a little bit further uh, a little bit before we get into any chats let's talk a little bit about you and your hockey uh involvement
2: sure yeah jabu um i guess i've made hockey my life and then i made it my business as well so I wear a number of caps in hockey from administrator to player to business owner to yeah, pretty much, pretty much every, everywhere involved in hockey, except I don't coach and I refuse to umpire. Those are about the only two things I, I've, I've uh, left out of my, my hockey playing career so far. You've got to tell us, why do you refuse to umpire?
1: Because he has (laughs) umpire players like Jack.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I think I'm pretty well behaved towards the umpire. To be honest, Uh, probably getting worse as I get older and grumpier. But um, no, yeah. As I said, I'm involved in every aspect of the sport. I think you've got to draw the line somewhere. You know, Uh, I still try and get a lot of enjoyment out of the sport. So yeah, coaching and umpiring are the two things I've opted not to do.
1: No, look, and uh, I think we're we're fortunate enough in this country that we have a a a very big umpiring uh, circle. So you you should be okay. Should be okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll leave that to the professionals. I will try and uh, interpret the rules on the field for them. All
1: right. So, so Jack, uh, your hockey career. Um, where did it start? Where did it go to? Specifically, talking from a playing point of view.
2: Sure. Yeah, Jabu. I was probably the worst hockey player to start out. Um, I didn't even make the starting lineup of my under sixteen C school team, and there wasn't even a D team. So I was pretty heartbroken. But I, did, I was determined, and uh, by the following week, I was uh, starting centre link of that under-16A team, uh, under-16C team, sorry. And um, I just loved the sports, and I had some good mates at the school who uh, were in the under-16 side, and obviously being a bit cocky as a youngster, I said to them, you know, you guys play on Astro, I play on grass, I'll, I'll show you some of my, my skills. And obviously some of those players were Austin Smith, Malcolm Argyle, uh, top, top players. And they invited me down to play, and I realized, oh, wow, um quite off the off the pace and uh, basically trained with those guys during the off season and was able to make rapid improvements and eventually made my first provincial side by under 18 and then went on to uh, play under 21 and senior men's all in the in the provincial men's A section but in our B western province side and I've uh, played six indoor IPTs, six Outdoor IPTs and the highlights would be winning outdoor IPC gold with the Western Province Penns team in 2014. I'm sure you're going to touch on that. And then winning a silver medal in the indoor IPT. Those would probably be my sort of playing highlights.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I mean, you brought it up. History history will always talk about the likes of Leicester City winning the Premier League. They will talk about... Uh, no one will talk about Patrick Reed winning the Masters because he's a... Um, that, you know, they'll talk about Josiah Tukwani at the 1996 Olympic Games. And yes, I know I'm I'm raising some of the most high-profile high things, but, but it really is true that Western Province Penn side sits a long ta- alongside those kind of people in terms of achievements.
2: Yeah, it was a magic um, experience. Um, uh, as you know, I, I didn't even uh, make the side initially, having been... Uh, uh, Probably a bit of an older player and uh, the B side making way for some more youngsters to come through who've potential got potential to make the SA side. And I got a call from the coach, Steve Evans, on the Sunday saying, hey, are you fit? Are you, re- are you able to play? Because uh, we are hit with a lot of injuries and I might call you and uh, I need you to fly up to Durban and, and play the tournament. And on that Tuesday, I got the call and I flew out on the Wednesday, arrived at 12 and was playing at 2 p.m. in, the, in the, obviously a crucial uh, pool match.
0: Yeah I'll never forget in the cricketing landscape uh, many many years ago Australia used to have this tri series or or quadrangular series they called it the world series and they invited a bun- bunch of teams and and one year it was four teams and they had Australia Australia A zimbabwe and england take part and england and zimbabwe never made it to the final it was the two aussie sides and australia a came agonizingly close to to winning the tournament and beating their so-called better counterparts and of course you guys didn't get so close you you went and and wrapped up the title i mean what was that like to beat a western province side or get further than western province guys that were considered to be better than you I mean, there could not be a better motivating factor when taking them on in the tournament But I mean just to, to raise that title at the end uh, Talk us through that
2: Yeah, I think uh, the whole tournament uh, the coaching was superb by Steve Evans And I think we had a young crop of players that just bought into absolutely every plan that he put out there and and we just executed it. We were the true underdogs. No one expected us to to do anything, uh, even make semifinals. And um, but you know, and I think every round we got past, everyone sort of patted us on the back and said, "Yeah, well done, well done." But you know, next 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 game against Southern's, you guys will be out. Or next game against Western Province A side, you'll be out. And every game we went into with absolutely nothing to lose, no fear. Executed uh, the plan. And uh, we we had the whole crowd behind us. I can say it felt like a like a home home game. Uh, the entire Durban crowd was behind us, and and we just went game by game by game and got the results. Obviously, beat our A side in the um, in the semi final, which was unexpected. Had to have a very awkward dinner with them that night. <laughs> but uh, what a night nice to have a team dinner yeah. with your A side after you've beaten them. But they were superb in terms of. Uh, being gracious and uh, obviously wishing us well for the final. And they were the first ones to run onto the field and congratulate us uh, when we did, in fact, uh, win win the final. And uh, for me, probably the highest honour I'll ever get to experience as a domestic club slash provincial player to win the the IPT. Um, Yeah, that'll probably be the highlight of my my playing career forever.
1: Yeah, look... uh I would have loved to have played in an IPT. I, I did coach and umpire in an IPT, but uh, from a playing point of view, the furthest I got was I made a, a district team. So we had Eastern Gauteng and we had district team. Um, so there were three districts in Eastern Gauteng and these three districts go and play against the Northern Gauteng districts, which was another three. And I was a 17 at the stage and I made the D6 team, but I wasn't going to make the Eastern Gauteng side. And I went to this tournament and I stood on post for this young, tall striker who uh, flicked uh, short corners and his name was Justin Reed Ross. And um, the first flick almost uh, took my teeth out. The next three that he flicked, I moved out of the way. And then after that, I faked an injury to stop having to, to face it. And, and that was probably my highest honor is that arguably one of South Africa's best exports almost killed me when I was 17. So yeah, Jack, I think uh, our on-the-field experiences differ, but our off-the-field experiences have also differed quite a bit because although I went coaching and umpiring and and later on media, you actually went into the role of admin, which is something youngsters usually don't do. And for a period of time, you were on the South African Hockey uh, Association board. What was your role there and uh, would you ever go back?
2: Yeah, so I was um, a young guy, obviously involved with my club, uh, doing my articles at the time, and I had I was friends with a few of the national players, and they said, look, they're forming this Athletes' Commission, um, it's a director from the FIH, from Saskatch, from everyone, you need to have player representation uh, in terms of an Athletes' Commission committee, and then the chairperson of that committee sits on the main executive board. And I always wanted to get involved with administration in the sport higher up to make a difference, and uh, the opportunity came up. I said, "Sure, I'll stand." And I think I stood in the category of uh, provincial player with no national aspirations, and um, got in, got onto the committee. And they said, "Well, would you consider being chairperson?" And I said, "Well, sure. If I'm going to be on the committee, why not be the chairperson?" And uh, in 2010, I got voted on as the chairperson and joined the ice hockey executive board as the uh, internal players representative um for yeah representing i guess all players in the country but but uh in particular obviously looking after the national players um interests and i think you know a lot of young guys uh, a lot of people have a lot to say about s hockey from the outside and i was just uh, happy that i could you know go and try and do some work on the inside to affect some change so i think i was in the role for four years 2010 to 2014 yeah so it was it was an awesome experience an eye-opening experience um I would go back, but I think you need to have a lot of time in your hands uh, to commit to hockey administration. I don't think it's for the faint-hearted.
0: Jack, I, I think if there's one sport that certainly comes with a lot of baggage, it would be hockey. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I just mean uh, from the media perspective in terms of the coverage that hockey gets, of course we know it's not much, but also from a financial perspective, there's really not much. And, and I think when you are playing a key role behind the scenes. Um, you are tasked with a, a big responsibility in trying to up the levels across the board when it comes to media coverage, when it comes to financial um, reimbursement, etc. And and, and, and you know, was it a very, very tough role to fill? You said uh, you wouldn't be rushing back, but uh, you would do it again?
2: Yeah, I think, I think um, people talk about SA Hockey as if it's this massive organization with a lot of resources. I, I, I keep repeating to Tyron in how many chats that, you know, SA Hockey is uh, made up of an executive board of 10 volunteers. And I think you've got about uh, three permanent staff members, if that. You've got uh, the CEO, an office um, manager, and uh, a project manager. So really, SA Hockey is, is not a massive organization from the perspective of its, it's doesn't have a lot of resources uh, from a staff perspective. And obviously uh, to keep two national teams going and competing in our rankings takes a huge amount of money. And uh, that so that is our perpetual challenge as ESSA Hockey. We are effectively a bunch of uh, volunteers who are hugely passionate about the sport. Um, I'm not going to say politics do not exist. Politics do exist. It confuses me because um, we don't really have as much money to fight about. I can't imagine what the major sports like cricket and rugby have to deal with, uh, where there are significant amounts of money to fight about. Um, but yeah, we are in a perpetual state, unfortunately, from from my perspective, of crisis with regard to our national teams, just because it takes a huge amount of funding uh, to, to keep them going. Um, and and, and that, yeah, that's, that's probably our biggest challenge from an ESA hockey perspective.
1: Yeah, and, and Jack, you know, you, you use the word volunteer volunteer. And- you know, SA hockey. You know, I think a lot of times people throw them under the bus. And again, let, let's let's stop talking about this SA hockey as as if it's this uh, massive corporate conglomerate behind the scenes. I mean, their they're full time media man is not a full time. It's it's me, <laughs> and I have a full time job somewhere else, and and you know, am very largely on a voluntary basis helping SA hockey out. So they they're trying their best. We're trying to work to to help the exposure grow and stuff like that. Uh yes, you're right. There's always going to be politics, but I think you know, there's something that you said that I really I, I just want to repeat you because those listening who 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 want change is put your hand up and get involved. You know, it doesn't cost you anything except for time. And of course, we know time is money, but it, it you you can't sit down and and constantly bash hockey without trying to be part of the solution and you know you you were part of it and that's why I've always enjoyed uh, enjoyed our chats you did speak yeah sorry
2: yeah Yeah, I mean no 100% I mean if I look at my club there are portfolios vacant on the committee if I look at our province the western province uh, where I'm situated um, I think all the portfolios are filled, but there are people that have been there for quite a while and are looking for a break. And, and there's probably space for renewed energy and for someone uh, renewed to, to get involved. And then on the national uh, side as well, there are people that stand for portfolios that um, are not challenged at all. And I, I would challenge anyone that if you're unhappy with what's going on in your club, in your province, in the country, go and stand for those portfolios. There are portfolios sitting vacant, actually, uh, I think, on the national Body definitely there. Every election, there there are hardly anyone. There's hardly anyone standing for those portfolios. So don't stand on the outside and criticize. Um, get involved. Put your put your hand up and and stand for those portfolios and and see what you can do. If if you can't stand for a full portfolio, then get involved in the subcommittee. You know, offer your help in in other ways. But yeah, I think I think uh, there's there's a lack of young people. I I did manage to get to the F I H conference in Switzerland in. Uh, 2010 at my at my own expense and I mean I think I was probably the youngest administrator there by 20-30 years unfortunately. Um, even on the national executive and on the western province executive which I served six years on I was probably you know probably the youngest guy there by, by quite a stretch. So, so young people I think you, you've got to get involved.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean it, it's all it takes is uh, putting your hand up and, and realizing that that people that do this, uh, you know, Dion Morgan has been appointed as president of SA Hockey. He's still got a full-time job that he's doing. And he has a, a lot of things that he has to answer to. And obviously, uh, we, we are planning on trying to get Dion onto the podcast in the near future. So Dion, here's another invite for you. Um, And we want to chat to people. We want to, you know, hear about the challenges. And, and I think that is one thing that, um, that we really will look at uh, supporting as we go. Jack, in, in in what you were chatting, you obviously said time has become a, a limitation. What is the things that are keeping you busy outside of hockey administration and playing?
2: Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, I, I've made a life out of, out of hockey in terms of my business. Um, you said we share a profession. We're obviously both uh, CAs. But... Um, I think I was cured of the corporate world quite quickly um, in, during my articles, and, um, had actually started a small hockey shop while I was uh, doing my articles. I'm not supposed to know if I'm uh, supposed to admit that, but <laughs> that's what happened. And, um, I quickly decided that, you know, maybe, uh, taking on a brand would, would be a, a really exciting challenge and something that I've, uh, always uh, dreamt of doing. And, and, uh, we started, uh, the princess hockey brand, um, and that that was something I took on as a challenge in 2009, t- 2010. And uh, yeah, we've grown from strength, strength to strength every year. Um, I think the following year, I then took on another business and we started Sportways, which is a coaching company, a national coaching company. In January this year, we coached, uh, we did 24 clinics and coached over 2,000 kids. So between... My shop, uh, the Princess Hockey brand, and uh, Sportways, the coaching business. That that's pretty much keeping me uh, busy, busy um, on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, I think that would keep about five people busy on a daily basis doing all of that. And uh, it, it's dumped onto one person's shoulders. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way whatsoever. I think it's incredible what you're doing. But uh, Jack, just talk us a bit more about, talk us through uh, Sportsways. I mean, that's that's a pretty special initiative that you've started.
2: Yeah, so it, it kind of uh, happened a bit by accident. <laughs> I was in the hockey market and we started Princess and Princess is a Dutch brand. And actually, a school had um, uh, contacted Sportways Holland. It's a Dutch company and uh, the biggest uh, coaching company in the world, and, and the best, obviously, from my perspective. Uh, and uh, they couldn't fill uh, a week of coaching. Uh, the guys that brought them up for two weeks and couldn't fill uh, a week of coaching. And asked me, "Would you step in and and help run a clinic and and cover these uh, Dutch guys' costs?" So I said, "Sure, let's let's do it." And um, we tried, and we got a hundred hundred players down. 100 young junior players and I coached at that clinic um, and I was absolutely blown away by the level of knowledge and skill of these Dutch guys. It, I was actually depressed at the same time because I realized I could probably have been a 40, 40 to 50% better player if I'd had this level of coaching my, uh, throughout my career. And um, being a young guy, I saw what these Dutch coaches were doing. They, they didn't just want to coach the players. They also wanted to coach the coaches. They also wanted to do development clinics with uh, the local communities. And since then, we've, we we ran one clinic. Then we did three. Then we did seven. Then we did fifteen. And now, in January this year, we did twenty-four clinics, coaching over two thousand players, and and over three hundred and fifty odd local coaches were also coached by these Dutch guys. We also did two development clinics, um, uh, one in uh, one in Lange. and. Yeah, that those that that is sort of sport ways. You know, we were looking to upskill players, but we're also looking to upskill our, our coaches so that they can uh, upskill players for a lot longer than than just a, a once sort off clinic.
1: Yeah, Jack, and uh, look, I, I've obviously uh, been part of the Princess family for a couple of years now myself, um, although not not really a, an active hockey player anymore. Um, you know, Princess Princess has been a brand that uh, the thing that I've always enjoyed about it is you just don't take yourselves too seriously. You just enjoy the game. I think the ambassadors that you have, the, the likes of Cindy Hack, Jamie Southgate, uh, Austin Smith, are all people who are highly approachable. And I think that's really a testament to how you go about uh, running, running your companies.
2: Yeah, I think um, Princess is a family business, actually, in Holland. It's, um, yeah, and I, I think I've just tried to take that, that family thing uh, across to South Africa. And I've just been, I guess, really blessed and really lucky that we've got a core group of ambassadors that are just really, really, really awesome people. I mean, I've been probably quite critical behind the scenes of, of, of um, players and coaches in the country who aren't really loyal and who jump from brand to brand to brand. And that obviously doesn't really serve us. And I think long-term, it doesn't serve those people either. But I, I've built the brand with with a really good group of people. Um, and I always say I'd have one good ambassador over you know five average ones. And and yeah, we've, we've got the Austin Smiths and the Cindy's and, and the Jamie's and really, really awesome people spread out all around the country. And I think that's what help makes our brand fun. I think that's what makes people want to be part of the brand. Um, we haven't been scared to try things, signature sticks. I think we were the first brand to do that. Um, sponsor those Dutch clinics, you know, uh, sponsor club tournaments, just get involved with events, social media, just absolutely nothing's off limits. And I think we have to have fun with the brand. I think we, yeah, we, I'm, I'm open to basically anything with the brand and, and we haven't been scared to, to try different and new things. And obviously that, I think, landed us up in now one of the top three brands in the country.
0: Jack, often when we chat to players that are nearing the end of their careers or have just finished their careers, the question always comes up, where to now? What does the future hold? And I think for you, we could probably ask, what does the future not hold? Because it looks as if you've got a a very full plate uh, (laughs) ahead.
2: Yeah, Derek, um, I'm probably a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Um, I've probably got a list of ideas (laughs) a few pages long. Um, and not enough time to execute on all of them but that's that's okay um, my goal is um, just to, to to take on the next project and 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 uh, execute that and and pick the best one basically so i think uh, you can be assured that i'll probably be in hockey for a very very long time and um, hopefully we'll still be doing uh, new things different things and 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 pushing the boundaries and yeah hopefully get involved with essa hockey again in the future to to go back and help.
1: Okay, Jack, let's 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 uh take it up a, a degree here. I'm gonna ask you three uh, three uh-oh. uh no, we're not getting to the quiz question just yet. But currently in SA <laughs> hockey, uh we do not have a national men's coach. We are obviously advertising it. We do not have an indoor men's and indoor women's coach. I'm gonna put you on your spot. Money is not an option. Um you know, money's not a not a, a distraction, rather. Um, there's no no restrictions. Who would you pick as our national outdoor men's coach?
2: Sure, that's that's an interesting question because I actually haven't really thought about it because unfortunately money is is always the issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I I think uh, I would I would go local. I I think I would I would pick a South African. I think if you. If you think of the the quality of coaches we've got around the the world, um, you've got Craig Fulton now, the assistant coach of Belgium, and you've got Charles Benet uh, coaching internationally. You've got Paul Revington, uh, Greg Clark. I, I would think that we, if we could bring all of them back, I think that would be amazing. Um, I'm obviously a little bit biased. I was coached by Paul Revington, and I think he is just absolutely brilliant. He has now been picked up by Great Britain. And uh, uh, they, they've they obviously uh, sorted him out with an amazing uh, setup in, in Great Britain. So he would probably be my number one choice. But, um, yeah, I think we've got a great group of South African coaches. But I also think we mustn't be scared to to look for outside knowledge uh, from, from the Dutch, obviously, and, and from other nations. I think there are coaches there that are passionate about South Africa that could help but maybe sometimes uh, get a bit of criticism in terms of um, the South Africans sort of think that they're just coming to you know coach an Olympics and coach a World Cup, but they, they're not re- really willing to make a... Uh, they want to put that on their CV, but they don't really want to make a long-term impact on the sport. And I, I think that there are a couple of coaches out there that would would, would pretty much uh, give up their lives and spend one or two years in South Africa to try and help us. And I think we should we should tap into that, definitely.
1: Yeah, now, obviously, at, at time of uh, recording... I do not know who has applied for the job. I do not know where, what's standing. In fact, the deadline has only just passed. So uh, as and when we have information, we'll obviously share it with everybody, what I'm allowed to share, or as, as information becomes available, we'll tell everyone. Stepping across to the indoor side now. Now, I think uh, we're all in agreement uh, probably on the women's coach. I, I've, yeah. I've got to
0: jump in there quick yeah, yeah. for two seconds. Jack, is that something that would interest you in the long-term future?
2: Uh, in terms of coaching, no. I think I'll make a horrible coach.
0: <laughs> Completely nutty. I know you said you, you'd never go into the umpiring perspective, dabble a little bit in coaching. Yeah. Seriously, nothing that, that would would kind of convince you to, to get into the international arena. I,
2: I think, Derek, my, I saw my role in terms of sportways as I had a ton of friends uh, that were really, really good coaches. And they were trying to make a life out of coaching and really sort of struggling because, you know, you can't sort of generate enough up hours to, to, to match a sort of salary um, and I sort of saw my role more as a business uh, guy uh, facilitating uh, clinics and, and coach education and all that kind of thing for coaches so almost creating hours and opportunities for them to earn a living so I, I see my role more as, as, as setting up businesses and, and helping coaches commit their lives to hockey as opposed to uh, doing the coaching myself.
0: Wow I was just looking for a yes or no that was brilliant.
1: Back to you Tony. <laughs> All right, so so still on the subject of coaches, uh, you've been actively involved as the the title or not the title sponsor as the main sponsor of Pro Series Indoor for the past couple of years. You've obviously been exposed to a lot. Let's talk men's SA indoor. Is there someone you think is putting up their hand that should be the next SA men's indoor coach?
2: Sure. Um, I, I think the the pool of coaches for the indoor setup is probably a lot smaller than the pool of coaches for the outdoor setup. Um, I think we've got competent indoor coaches in this country, and I think um, I think, yeah, any of them any of them given the right resources could probably do a good job. I just think that the the Germans, the Dutch are so far advanced in terms of indoor that if money was no no option. I would definitely look, uh, overseas to a, a German or a Dutch, uh, indoor head coach. I just think that the amount of knowledge they've got is clearly, clearly, uh, <laughs> built up over many, many years. And we could probably uh, benefit a lot from having an outside coach and then pairing them with a local South African coach to, to do that transfer of knowledge. And back to Derek's question, actually, I would rather be the manager. I think I would, uh, I would definitely take on that sort of role if, if there was a campaign to go to an Indoor World Cup or if there was a campaign to go to an Olympics or something like that. I'd, I think I'd definitely um, gravitate towards the, the manager role.
1: Okay, and, and yeah, look, I, I did manage a few provincial sides to IPTs. Um, it, it's unfortunately a lot more admin work than I enjoyed. I liked keeping my hands a bit more dirty and that's actually why I did start umpiring because I wanted to be involved in the games. Um, but because I put you on the spot Jack and, and as a friend I think it's only fair that I put my own uh, neck out there um, in terms of the outdoor coach I I, I lean towards uh, giving Mark Hopkins a, an extended extended run I think uh, he probably didn't get enough but I, I don't know if I'd give a four-year contract right now I would give a possibly a, a two-year contract and go from there um I think he's probably had a limited amount of time to to have an impact. So provided he's put him put his name back in the hat, then I would I would go with him. From an indoor men's side, you know, in my dream world it would go to Robert Tiggs, who's just taken over the Amsterdam women's side. I'd probably make it him. I think he has a good understanding of South African hockey. I, I don't think that's gonna happen. I would probably then based on the pool available go with Ryan Hack as the head coach. And David Joshua as his understudy, with the long long term plan on making David Joshua the the head coach. So there we go. I'm putting my neck on the line, and maybe by the time this plays, I I need another job somewhere.
2: No, hundred percent. And I mean respect to Mark Hopkins for taking on the role and uh, at at no no pay and doing actually a uh, superb job, from what I can tell. From the players' perspective, uh, they 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 do really enjoy him and have been learning from him and, and really like him. So I, if, if yeah, you asked me if money was no object, then I, I went shopping. But um, if, if, if Mark is is willing to take on the role again, I think I think yeah, he definitely deserves um uh, an extended run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I wanted to touch on the signature sticks as well. Uh, obviously, many people know myself and my son have uh, an AS5 stick. Um, it's not the one I always play with. Don't tell Austin.
2: But um, <laughs> we have the
1: AS5 stick, and and recently you launched the K5 stick in Namibia.
2: Yeah, so uh, I think Princess Holland has always been encouraging us to, you know, not to be scared to push the boundaries and to try new things, and. Uh, Obviously, Austin being uh, South Africa's best player, I think he's won SA Player of the Year three times. He's uh, been rated as some of the the top 10 players in the Dutch Hoop Class League. And, um, yeah, I think the last South African actually to be included in the FIH World All-Star 11, which is a massive achievement. So uh, it was kind of a no-brainer for us to try an an A5 Austin Smith stick. That was hugely, hugely popular. Uh, People, we've now got the junior version, the senior version, the indoor version. And uh, then it came to Kiana Cormac, who is a Namibian international going to school here in South Africa, who at uh, 16, 17 years old made the Namibian indoor uh, World Cup team. Obviously, so that, uh, Namibia went to the World Cup ahead of South Africa, and uh, she was joint highest goalscorer at that Indoor World Cup, which was just an absolutely incredible achievement. And uh, the idea got thrown around Um that maybe she deserves a signature indoor stick and we wholeheartedly agreed and um, yeah we came out with the k5 indoor stick she chose the colors rose gold i was skeptical it turns out to be popular even amongst the boys and um, we have got the k5 uh, indoor stick which is going now uh, with cindy hack being the national captain and uh in south africa the indoor captain we've got the c10 coming out in the next few months so yeah we've been quite active on the signature stick front and I think it's really awesome to support uh, support and recognize South African players who have and Namibian players and uh, who have done really, really well and have reached the top of their game.
1: Look, as long as the C ten plays as well as the I D two, I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a bash.
2: <laughs> yeah, you you play yourself down as a hockey player, Tyron, but I see you playing uh, Eastern Counting provincial level indoor there against some of the top boys. So so don't 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 sell yourself short.
1: Yeah, but those youngsters are too quick. I, w- I was just saying, it's not fair that uh, I'm zero to 100 and never, and they do it in about six or seven seconds these days.
2: Yeah, we turn into a bit of stoppers and passers, don't we? Yeah,
1: yeah but you know, if a smart hockey player is always better than a fit hockey player. That's what all of us unfit hockey players always said.
2: <laughs> yes, that's true.
1: All right, Jack, uh, just just one more thing before we get on to the, the question is uh, – we, it, it, it would be remiss of me not to mention it. Uh, you did mention earlier you, were, you are a Chartered Accountant, not were. Uh, you are a Chartered Accountant and of course in 2018 you were named as one of the top 35 Chartered Accountants under 35 in South Africa. Um, what, what was it like for you being away from the hockey field receiving an accolade of that nature?
2: Yeah, it was a surreal experience, actually. I mean, I, I, being a business owner, I haven't had to put together a CV in uh, many, many years. So <laughs> just putting together a CV and putting together a presentation and actually looking back at um, all the three businesses and my volunteer involvement in hockey, it, it, was, it was quite a rewarding experience looking back and, and, and then having to present that uh, to obviously top CAs from the country. I think there were about 10 judges, uh, all uh, great uh, people in their fields. And then to have them come back to you and say, hey, no, you're actually doing pretty well, which is, is, is something really, really special for me. Uh, being an entrepreneur, I think it can be quite a lonely existence. Uh, there's no one sort of uh, patting you on the back saying, hey, you did a good job or, or not. And so to have that outside recognition was, was yeah, it was just really, really a bonus. Um, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I lost out to a rugby player, eh?
1: Yeah, Chris Van uh, well, yes. the rugby player the the, the, yeah, the province not captain, bad to lose the captain <laughs> <man>.
0: <laughs> not bad at all now let's see uh, how you do at uh, the one question quiz to wrap things up it's been a uh, fascinating conversation I've thoroughly enjoyed it Jack uh, and especially from an outsider I mean I do enjoy my hockey but uh, to go into the nitty gritty of it I mean you certainly shed light in a whole new uh, sphere w- w- when it comes to the sport and I've thoroughly enjoyed it um, but yeah but you you're still not getting away without uh, answering the question. <laughs> so we go back to 2014. We've spoken about it quite a bit already that famous uh, victory over Western Province uh, in the semi finals uh, at the Interprovincials. And uh, you're representing Penn. So the scoreline was 2 1. You've got to name all three goal scorers.
2: Sure. Um. I know we scored drag flicks that's the one thing i know we scored uh, who was our drag flicker um was it was it dave agar i think he would have scored no. one no no who was our drag flicker? guitar give me a clue
1: I, i'm trying to find, I would go <laughs> the myself.
0: I, i'm the man with the question and answers <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, sure, what a
2: shocker, eh? Um, I would say for, for Western Province, I think uh, I would go with Lloyd Norris Jones scoring their goal. No.
0: No? It was okay, Clive. I'm
2: coming up. Your pardon? Clive Turban. Oh, yes, Clive Turban. yeah. Yeah, opened. I do remember the A-side goal, but I really, I thought we scored two penalty corners for the Pens. That's that's what I recall. Well, they, they, were the two, after team form, they were
0: team goals, so... Yeah, they, they were pens. they were, um,
2: okay, so Ryan
0: Julius was yes. the one, and the other one was Mark Furry.
2: Mark Furry, yes, and Mark Furry went on to make the national men's team, as did Keenan Horn, from the B-side, Western Province, which was exceptional.
0: And uh, you failed to win the one-question <laughs> quiz. Yes. I
2: knew I was going to get it wrong.
0: <laughs> Jack, it's been fantastic. Thanks so much, man. And, and best of luck for all your endeavors. And there are plenty of them. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more as well. I mean, you seem that type of guy that you won't be content uh, relaxing at home on the couch uh, after a five o'clock uh, beer.
2: <laughs> No, hundred percent, and thank you to uh, Derek and Jabu for for giving hockey some some much needed exposure and for having these chats. I think it's just hugely hugely important um, for for the sport of hockey. So thank you.
0: Yeah, absolute pleasure, and uh, must say, I'm just as I mentioned, I'm the sidekick here. Uh, Jabu is uh, doing all this the, the hard, heavy lifting. And as he likes to put it, he gets his hands dirty. But uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, and thank you, Jack. Enjoy the rest of the week and we'll chat to you soon.
2: Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Cheers, Jack.
0: Cheers. What a great guy.
1: Yeah, and always fascinating to hear someone getting their hands dirty with the administration side of the game. I think, you know, we often think of coaches and players and to a lesser degree empires, but we forget that uh, administrators are, are just as important.
0: Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, when I, I gave that intro at the beginning, I mean, we said we've dealt with players and coaches, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this guy's done it all and is doing it all and then some. Uh, he's played the game won't be umpiring the game. He certainly won't be coaching the game, but he is, uh, administrating the game and also providing the game with hockey sticks, which is a fantastic initiative. Um, a, a quick one before we move on to a little nice tidbit, uh, we've, obviously had a lot of inquiries following um, the podcast since it's launched and people have contacted us with uh, various requests etc to take part in outside broadcasts and the works and also there's been a few requests on a financial level and we've spoken about how hockey certainly does get the short end of the stick when it comes to money and I got an email from Sarah and she asked Please, if there was anyone out there, um, she's struggling with two jobs and her daughter's been selected as one of three from her school to go on an international under-14 hockey tour to the Netherlands in December 2019. Um, If there is anyone that's able to assist from a financial level, and and really anything, um, they can contact her, Sarah, at 36 c Dot so, uh, Sarah at 36, that's the number 36, then the letter C. C.cozar, or you can simply just get hold of us on Twitter and then we'll provide you with the details.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, and, and there's so many stories of that, so if you're willing, if you want to back somebody and you've uh, got no idea who you want to back, come and give us a call. You can contact me on, on Twitter, at Tyron Barnard, and uh, I'll definitely put you in contact with people that you can... Very happily help.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And I'm Derek Alberts, one, the digit one. There, there's another Derek Alberts floating around, which is in fact me, um, but I forgot the password to that. So uh, we're in this never ending battle between me and the other me as uh, to who gets more followers.
1: Is he better at golf?
0: Uh, yeah, he is, uh, but it doesn't take much, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, what are we going to wrap up with?
1: Uh, this is a nice short one. Did you know what hockey's original name was? Mm, no. Shinty. Shinty. So on that note, this is Shinty 24-7. Love it. Cheers. Ciao.